Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Today, I want to talk to you about FFA judges in prison, FFA judges in prison. Um, When I was was growing up, I was a child of the 80s. I was a kid of the 80s, and there was two abnormal fears I had growing up. Um, One was quicksand, that I was going to fall in quicksand at any moment in time while riding my bike, while hiking. I don't know why. I think it's because every movie in the 80s had some sort of quicksand element to it. Every TV show, like Dukes of Hazzard, quicksand in the middle of the country, right? And you're just like, and so before me and my buddies would ever go anywhere, we had a plan for if one of us fell into quicksand, what were you gonna do, right? Like, this is our plan, right? And we gathered our plan for what was happening. The other one was this. Um, I had an abnormal, well, here, let me just show you a picture of what my fear was um, growing up. This is truth. This is truth. When I would swim in my grandparents' pool, first off, nobody was watching. My grandparents weren't outside. My parents weren't outside. Great job on that, Pops. Um, but they're all we could see from the living room. Yo, you weren't watching. But Jaws, Jaws just traumatized me as a child. Right? And so I'm out there swimming. I know a shark can't be in a pool. I'm not that dumb. Right? But man, I'm just telling you, it didn't make sense, but I kept hearing the theme, the theme music from Jaws while I was swimming alone. And I would swim as fast as I could to the side of the pool, pop out, and just look down. Right? I was just like, it's in here somewhere. And I remember one of my parents coming out like, what are you doing, Justin? I'm like, I think there's a shark in the pool. And they're like, no, there's not. I'm like, yeah, there is. Like I heard music, right? And some of you, you're not too far off. Like if a seaweed hits your leg in the ocean, you freak out and you get out and you start speaking in tongues. So don't talk to me today. <clears throat> Here, here's the thing. I, 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 know, I knew that this couldn't happen, but I was still fearful that it could. Like I tell you, that's how fear, that's how worry, that's how anxiety works. Doesn't have to be logical. Doesn't have to even be reality, right? <clears throat> Many of us, we're worrying about things that haven't even happened. Things that are keeping us up at night have, have, aren't even a reality. We're, we're just, well, well, it might happen, right? A comet might implode and just land on the earth and we're all Armageddon, right? Like it, it might happen and fear and anxiety and worry, man, they wreak havoc and they don't have to make sense. And here's what I want us to know today. Worry never adds, but always takes away. Can I tell you, worry, it never adds to your life, but it always takes away from your life. Worry never gives you more peace. It always takes away from your peace. And here's the crazy thing about worry, about anxiety, about fear, is I can have faith for you about your situation, but once I'm put in the same situation, it's completely different. Right, like all my faith went out the window. 
right? I, I can have faith. Kevin, I can have faith. I, hey, man, business is gonna take off. It's gonna go great, right? And then I can be freaked out from the church and be like, I don't know what God's gonna do. We're doing this building campaign. And Kevin's like, what are you talking about? God's gonna do that for you, right? I can have faith for Kevin as long as I'm not the one in the situation, right? I can have faith for your marriage, right? Man, God's gonna restore that marriage. Good things are gonna come. The things are gonna happen. There's gonna be healing that occurs until my marriage is in that situation. I can have faith for your kid until my kid is the one in the situation. I have faith for your finances until my finances are the one in the situation. And then it's like, what am I going to do? And we freak out and we worry. And if we're not careful, we get a case of the what ifs, right? And we've all had this. What, 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 what if I die in quicksand, right? Like what, what if? And, and what, what if I lose my job? What, what if my kid doesn't ever stop being stupid? What, what, what if, you know, they never, that friendship never gets restored? What if it doesn't get better, Justin? What if they don't come to their senses? What if my finances don't recover? What if, what if, what if? And we key are kept up from fear and anxiety and it always takes away and it never adds to. And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter six. He said, that is why I tell you, not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? We need to remember that on Thursday, right? Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't, they don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers, like, let's, let's just think of this. If God cares so much about the grass that are he, that's here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Man, there's comfort in that. He knows already exactly what you're worried about, anxious about, and what you need. Seek the kingdom of God. And we heard it this way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, right? That's how we grew up hearing it. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Can I tell you in life, there are going to be things you simply aren't ready for. But can I tell you just because you were caught off guard and just because you are surprised, God isn't. He knew what you were gonna experience. He knew what you weren't expecting. And God isn't like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that, right? He wasn't like, what? what? Where'd that come from? I didn't see that twist in that movie. I didn't see that happen in your life. No, God knows exactly what, and here's what I love, the creator of the universe, the one that the universe is still expanding, that knows where every star is, where knows every bird that is flying, every flower that is on the earth, that he takes so much care into that, he knows the very numbers on your head, the Bible says. Some of you, that's really easy to know, and some of you, it's a lot harder. But he knows the very numbers 
of hairs that are on your head. He knows more about, the Bible says, knows more about your worried heart than you do. So can I tell you, you can trust him. And today, hear me, this is not about saying, oh, just ignore, ignore it. Pretend it doesn't exist. So what I'm saying, because can I tell you, it drives me crazy when people act like nothing's going wrong, right? Like, how you doing? Well, I'm blessed and highly favored, right? They like turn into Joel Olstein all of a sudden. And you ask, hey man, I know your business just crashed. I know your finances just crashed. And they just smile and I say, how you doing? I'm just blessed and highly favored, right? I'm like, what, what are you talking about? How's your kid doing? You know, I know they're in recovery. I'm just blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Shut up. What are you talking about? Like, let's deal with reality for a second. Like, you just chopped your arm off with a chainsaw. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. What are you talking? It sure did prosper. It cut your freaking arm off. What are you talking about? I mean, let's get real. Let's not ignore reality, right? Like, you're sinking in quicksand and got eaten by a shark talking about how you're blessed and highly, no. But here's my encouragement to you. Deal with the negative, but settle on the good. Deal with the negative. Don't ignore it. Oh, blessed and highly favored, you might be. But deal with reality, but don't get consumed with it. Don't get obsessed with everything that is going wrong. Address it, just don't obsess it. Right, address it, just don't obsess it. If I'm not careful, every Sunday when I walk, the moment I drive onto campus, I'm looking at everything that's going wrong. Um, it's kind of what I do. Because um, I want Foundation Church, I want your experience, I want every Sunday to be the best it can be. So I'm looking, is there trash in the parking lot? I'm out there cleaning trash if one of our staff members haven't got to it or one of our awesome volunteers. Do we have enough volunteers? How's FC Kids? How's the sound? How's AV doing? Are the lyrics up? Do people follow it? Are the lights too bright, right? Is it too, is it too shrilly? Is the speaker talking way too long again, right? Like, come on, somebody, like, how's the band sounding? And, and all these things, and every Monday morning we get together there's a staff and I say, hey, this was wrong. This was wrong. This didn't look good. This didn't look good. This didn't sound right. We didn't have anybody here. We didn't have anybody here. And if I'm not careful, here's what happens. I obsess about everything not going good instead of focusing on all that is right. I can obsess on that we didn't have enough greeters instead of talking about all the life change that is happening, right? I can focus on, hey, we didn't have enough kids volunteers instead of, man, our kids are loving it and kids are getting saved every Sunday. You gotta deal with it, but you can't obsess about it because if you obsess about it, that's when your joy gets robbed, right? When you obsess what's not going good, when you're obsessed and you're consumed with what's not right, man, there's always gonna be something in your life that's not going right, then you gotta surrender it instead of obsess about it. There's gonna be something that's not fair. You gotta surrender instead of obsess about it. Deal with it, don't ignore it. But man, you got to settle and you got to settle on the good that God is doing. Paul said this in Philippians chapter four, verse eight. He says, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts. That means to set, to place your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Can I tell you, thankfulness and gratitude don't exist because your life is empty of problems. Thankfulness and gratitude happens despite your problems, right? And your focus determines whether your life is full of worry or peace. Your focus determines if your life's full of anxiety or peace. 
And so what are you focusing on? And Paul says this, fix your thoughts on what is true. Can I tell you just one thing that is true about God? Is he still in control? God is still in control. If we don't cover anything else, can I tell you today, God's still in control, even if your situation seems out of control. He has not yielded control over your life. He has not yielded control over your situation. Well, Justin, you could have fooled me, I know. But can I tell you, I loved what Avery said. She said, the sovereignty and the goodness of God is not tied to my emotions and my situation. In the middle of her saying, I felt alone, and broken and in a very dark place, she still can recognize this many years later. It didn't mean that she didn't go through what she went through. It didn't mean that there still aren't days that she misses her siblings and her dad. It doesn't mean that the bad didn't happen, but she still understands this. God's still in control of my life and he still has a plan. And because we understand this, understand this, since God is in control of everything, I can give thanks in everything. Since God is in control of everything, I can give thanks in everything. When I really understand God is in control, that he is all sufficient, and that my life isn't insufficient, I understand he sees, he knows, and he is in control of it all. And here comes the pushback. Well, Justin, you don't understand because you're not where I'm at. You don't have a child that's sick. You're right. You haven't gone through an ar- and and aren't going through a divorce, you're right. You're not at the financial place that I'm at. You don't have a blended family. You haven't lost a kid. You're, you're fine. Your, your job isn't in trouble. Your kids aren't like living like hellions and I don't know if they're ever gonna come around. You're not dealing with the heartbreak. You don't feel alone. You don't know the pressure and hear me, I get it. And you're saying context is everything, Justin. What I'm feeling, man, is everything. Where I'm at, the context of my situation is everything. And I would tell you, you are exactly right. I don't get it in context is everything. Um, My oldest child used to show sheep in FFA. Um, And they were female sheep. And the first show I come to, um, I have no idea what to expect. I am not a sheep guy. I'm not a farm guy. Um, I walk into this barn and there is a judge talking on a mic on the loudspeakers and it's, it's before Charlie's showing, but he's talking about one of these sheep that are walking in and he says this, he says, her, her hips look great, her butt is big, and when she walks, you can really see that butt on display, right? Now, context is everything. If you heard that guy talking when you're walking at the pool, her hips look good, her butt is big, and her butt's really on display when you're walking, you're gonna get mad. Right, context, it's fine when an FFA judge is saying it because that's the context that it is happening. And hear me, I wanna give you a little context for where Paul was coming from when he wrote his epistles. Man, I may not understand where you're at, but let me give you a little background because context is everything about Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it says this, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, we're not talking about like, but with rocks. 
Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. This is the reality of Paul's life. And this is just a small snapshot of what his life had been up to that point. This isn't the whole picture. This isn't the whole story. There's a whole lot more hardships to come. Now let's fast forward to 2 Timothy chapter four, the last chapter in the last letter he is believed to have ever written. And he is writing from a prison that looks exactly like this. This is what that prison looked like. Paul is writing from a prison cell. It's a subterranean chamber, originally accessible only by a hole in the roof. This prison cell, because context is everything, right? This prison cell is in Rome, was nearly 21 feet in diameter and only 12 feet high. All who wrote of this place described it with horror. They also said it was exceedingly dark, unsavory, and, un and able to craze any man's senses. Paul writes Philippians and the, book, the letter 2 Timothy from what historians believe this exact cell to be. This is the place, this is the moment he is writing 2 Timothy chapter four from. It's this situation, he is alone, he is abandoned and it says this, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. When you come, be sure to bring the coat I left. Also bring my books and especially my papers. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he has done. Be careful of him, for he fought against everything we said. The first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me, everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against him, but the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear and he rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and bring me safely into his kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever, amen. Several things that are going on because context is everything. Paul is cold, he's asking for his coat. Paul has been harmed by some Alexander the coppersmith, right? He's wounded. He feels abandoned because nobody showed up. He's alone and he's in a dark place that he doesn't wanna be. This isn't a situation that Paul's actions thought it would ever bring him to and yet this is the place where Paul is. It's dark, it's cold, it's lonely. He feels broken, he feels abandoned. He's gotta be fearful and yet out of this place he writes 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse seven, for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Context is everything. Understand, he's not writing this from his living room couch. He's not writing this surrounded by his buddy. There's got to be uncertainties. He doesn't know what is right. He doesn't know what is next, but he knows what is right. He knows if God is in control of everything, I can be thankful in everything, right? He writes Ephesians 5.20 and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter three, and let the peace 
peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Listen to me, context context is everything. He is writing this from a place that's not easy. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, don't worry about anything. How do you say that being here? How do you you declare that when everything's going wrong? When your kid seems to get sicker, when the situation seems to get worse, when the finances are getting tighter instead of better. Paul writes this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Flip the script. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Right, tell him what you need and thank him for all he has done. Man, take time to remember the goodness and the faithfulness. Man, don't ignore the problems that are happening, but don't settle there. Settle on the good. Thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, and his peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. He gives you a peace. This is what it says in the King James Version that passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense that he can have peace in this situation, but when you start praying to God and you start surrendering it to God and you start letting God have it and you start thanking God in the middle of your prison, in the middle of your cell, in the middle of the cold, in the middle of the loneliness, in the middle of the hurt, in the middle of the brokenness, can I tell you that's when you have a peace that surpasses all understanding because you understand if he's truly in charge of everything, I can be thankful in everything. It may not be easy today, but he wrote this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Be thankful in all circumstances. You may be experiencing loss. Can I tell you, you don't have to be thankful for the loss, but you can be thankful in it and through it. You may be having a hard time in your relationships. I'm not saying you're gonna be thankful for that, but you can be thankful while you're going through it. You may be experiencing a divorce today. I'm not saying be thankful for the divorce, but you can still be thankful through it. It's not what you thought it was gonna look like. It's unexpected, but can I tell you, he has not lost control over your life. He's still in control of everything. And because he's in control of everything, I can be thankful in all circumstances. Man, don't settle on the bad this week. Man, don't get consumed with what's not right, with what you didn't expect. But man, thank him for all he's done. Thank him for all he's done. Tell him what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then his peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and it'll guard your mind. And it'll keep your mind from wandering and you will experience a peace that passes all understanding. One last verse and I'm done. And Isaiah, it says this. He keeps him at peace whose mind is set on him. He keeps him at peace whose mind is set, is focused on him. It's a battle of your mind in order for you to have peace. Man, surrender it to him today because he knows where you're at. He knows where you're at and worry never adds a thing, but always takes away. Let's pray. Lord, we love you.
And I pray for every person that is here today, man, that is struggling with worry, struggling with anxiety, struggling with fear. Lord, all the parents here, Lord, I know so many parents, so many grandparents are struggling with fear and anxiety. Lord, worry and anxiety, it's gonna be part of the journey. Lord, how we deal with it is paramount. How we function through it's paramount because if we don't learn to function through it, it'll cripple us. It'll cripple our relationships. It will keep peace at bay instead of letting peace be present. And when, there's, when we don't have peace present in our life, we can't have peace present in our relationships. And so, Lord, I pray today that we would learn to live a better way. And it's not trying to pretend like it's not happening. It's not trying to do life on our own and be tough enough and be strong enough. No, Lord, it's just simply coming to a place where we keep our minds set on you. That we keep our, even though life's not where we want it to be and we feel like we're in this prison cell that Paul was at, Lord, I pray it may be cold, it may be, we may feel broken, we may feel alone and isolated and disappointed, but Lord, I pray that we would tell you what we need and we would thank you for all that you have done. And then we'd fix our eyes, we'd fix our heart and our mind on what is true. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.